0: Love Talk
1: Radio. Africa, Africa is the center of the world.
0: Latitude zero, longitude zero. Planned by the Creator. Sazantherpis was the first man found on the Earth Center of the World. center of the World.
1: so vast, so great, the African embrace, the color of life, universal harmony, the earth supports our conscious effort for sustained humanity, human beings,
2: are we and how do we be we are doo and bebop and hip-hop that we don't stop you see it started a long time ago and it wasn't a show we gave birth to a style like a precocious child feeling the passion for life erasing away all the strife telling our tales with verbal mail putting honey on the blade creating language to persuade share who we've always been always a blessing never a sin we are doo-wop and bebop and hip-hop and we don't stop Our mother gave birth to everyone on earth so we echo her call and always walk tall because we're hip to the world so we create black pearls everyone can wear everyone can share we can't live in despair so we shine everywhere on and on on and on on and on
3: on the fifth day uh. December 2021, we welcome you to Africa on the Moon. What are we doing? down? That's the day thing. We would like to welcome you to come and join us by dialing in 323-679-0841. You see so many things going on. You can also ask yourself, what are we doing? down? So come and join us today. As we continue to travel down the road of liberation and unification, always we speak for the voice of the voiceless. We're going to be in the seat, and we're going to take the heat. As we define it, we're going to stand behind it. We like to party, and the way we uh, party is to share information with you so that you can think. And we hope to encourage you to join the organization so you can clearly help make your proper contribution to your people, daily lives, and struggle, and to make a better humanity. This is what Africa on the Moon is all about. So as your host, Brother Africa, we're going to speak to the powerless and the powerful. So let's get started with our party and come and join us. Right now, we'd like to bring in and welcome Brother Haki to Africa on the Moon, one of our political. Panelists and spell and panelists for today's program. Welcome, Brother Haky. Brother
4: Africa, thanks for having me. <clears throat> my name is Haki kamafi Mishoki, And of course you know Brother Africa, my thing is all about institution building. But I gotta tell you, Brother Africa, you know, um uh, what I find um somewhat extraordinary is that given the role of propaganda in terms of um pitting one group against another in this American society. Uh, what is ironic is that when you talk about, you know, so-called black neoconservatives, uh, often they are projected out front in terms of the push to legitimize um, propaganda. But also at a time of need, when a ruling class needs someone to blame, they won't have a problem in terms of blaming so-called black neoconservatives. This is a very interesting uh, paradox. But in any event, uh, I want just to read this piece a little bit in terms about one particular uh, black neoconservative who find themselves on the wrong side of the law. But in any event, check this out. Now, the cloak and beggar game of American politics is a spectacle to behold. Employing strategy of misdirection, rooted in deception, saturated in management perception, the most penetrating kind of propaganda, have truly excelled at turning logic on its head. We are currently told, continually told, Trump's role in fomenting the January 6th insurrection is questionable despite his own words, which infer lawlessness. It has been disclosed, Trump tweeted his estimated 488 million followers to attend the January 6th rally gathering for a wild protest. Clearly, a wild protest denotes an unrestrained event or expressed an anger in a way that's unconventional. Adding fuel to the fire, Trump sanctioned an 86-page report detailing statistically a Trump loss was impossible. This information, This information was also leaked to his followers. By combining both false information and providing a resolution to address the perceived theft of the election, Trump was in fact stoking anger among his followers. Responses from Trump supporters could be easily anticipated and given his followers discontent with the status quo, providing a platform to express their animosity toward the status quo, would likely manifest itself in inappropriate ways. Crowds consisting of authoritarian personalities, ultra-nationalist and neo-Nazi sympathies converging on Washington, D.C. to fight for their perceived hero was indeed a flammable mix. Content to make America great again, these groups' indignation at seeing their dream deferred by Trump losing power made it easier to see all others as an enemy, consequently the validating of violence. Now, the violence unleashed on January 6th was anticipated. Now, according to ProPublica, senior Trump aides were warned, quote, this event could turn Chaotic, with tens of thousands of people potentially overwhelming ill-prepared law enforcement officials. Astonishingly, the words ill-prepared law enforcement officials conveyed to Trump's aides suggest security arrangements were were being discussed by White House aides and organizing groups like Katrina Pearson, a former Trump campaign official. Given the level of hostility around Trump's laws, adequate police presence should have been priority. An equal concern should have been availability of police equipment to address any contingency given the possible volatility of far-right crowds. Since reports confirm correspondence between White House aides and organizers around, around police presence on January 6th, the inadequacy of both police numbers and police equipment raises troubling questions. Reports have been circulated confirming failure of intelligence and preparedness sharing among the U.S. Capitol, FBI, police, and the Pentagon. However, This analysis seems self-serving. Reports later surfaced where American first organizers of the January 6th rally informed the White House of the explicit danger in holding this rally and the need for adequate metropolis to control the perimeter. The fact this information was not conveyed via the appropriate authorities suggests White House officials, by extension Trump, supported the security lapse on January 6th. Now, certainly the culpability of Trump White House has been established in the January 6th insurrection, for Republican attempts to conceal the abuse of power by high-profile politicians, including Trump, persists to today. The most recent ploy to whitewash the James insurrection to destroy democracy involves focusing on Ali Alexander, born Ali Abdul Ali, Razak Ali, as a ringleader. Alexander, a low-level, a low-level con man, thief, and grifter, was born to African parents of American and United Arab Emirates ethnicities. Because the consummate opportunist, sensing the opportunity to enrich himself, Alexander realized attainment of wealth could best be achieved by appeasing right-wing groups. Aligning himself with the far-right, he was able to sell T-shirts and immerse himself in far-right rhetoric, which made it possible for for him to parlay his skills into far-right venues to establish his presence. Utilizing blogging to establish his far-right credentials, he started working for Republican party leaders, culminating... In his allegations, he was chief organizer of Stop the Steal Rally on January 6th. Alleging he pulled off the January 6th rally with the help of Congressman Paul Gassar, Republican of Arizona, Mo Brooks, Republican of Alabama, and Andy Biggs, Republican of Arizona. Most assuredly, must have confused Amy Krimmer, a Republican operative who, according to the Daily Mail, worked closely with Mark Meadows, former White House chief of staff under Trump, to coordinate the January 6th event. Now, the opportunity to use Alexander was not lost on policymakers. Benefits portraying Alexander as the mind behind stop the steal are numerous for political operatives. But among the myriad of benefits for political operatives, by blaming Alexander, Trump's involvement could be minimized, strengthening the case for assertion of executive privilege not to disclose White House discussions, which are privileged according to some legal scholars. Also, by blaming Alexander, you could deflect culpability of far-right congresspersons, who aim was specifically to derail the democratic process and to show the far-right mass organization use and violence is sufficient to move the country further to the right. Also, it established a precedent where future elections are robbed of any legitimacy. And lastly, by indicting, by indicting Alexander, it creates the perception far-right grievances are legitimate, which serves to obscure the growing fascism which is necessary for capitalist domination to continue. Structural inequalities are denied while the wholesale scapegoating of rich against the poor powerful against the powerless, white against black, earn agency. Alexander's newfound notoriety Nori- Nori- may make him famous or see him in jail, but it won't necessarily translate into more money for him. For Alexander, not getting paid for his hustle is an ultimate abuse. And Brother Africa, I'll close with that. Okay,
3: Brother Haki. Next we go to Brother Anthony. We'd like to welcome him to Africa or more.
5: Welcome, Brother Africa. Thanks for having me, Brother Africa. Uh, Revolutionary greetings to you, the fellow panelists, and the listening audience. My name is Anthony Williams. I'm an organizer for the All-African Peoples Revolutionary Party GC, Objectivist Pan-Africanism, the Total Liberation and Unification of Africa under Scientific Socialism which is the ultimate solution to the problems that Africans face
3: worldwide. Following Brother Anthony, we now bring in Brother Moses. We'd like to welcome Brother Moses to Africa Removal. Welcome, Brother Moses.
6: Thank you. Thank you, Brother Africa. And greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists. My name is Robert Andrew Moses. I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism. From the moment I was introduced to Marxism during a government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there is one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that mouthy tongue is this messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. And we don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. I wanna say that women hold up half the sky, that's why I support the Equal Rights Amendment (ERA). Yes, and um, let me say that apartheid is a crime against the human soul. It is a moral, moral outrage that should be condemned. And we we are faced with with this this one this one of the obstacles in the struggle in the, in the U.S. of A. Apartheid that still exists. And I just want to thank you for allowing me to be on the show, Brother Evans.
3: Thank you, Brother Moses. And following Brother Moses, we'll bring in Sister Eleanor.
1: Good evening, everyone. Good evening, Brother Africa, fellow panelists, and our listening audience. My name is Eleanor Johnson, and thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you, Brother Africa, for allowing me to participate in this evening's forum. I agree with Brother Africa that I agree with Brother Moses, I'm sorry, uh, that uh, apartheid is, is, is a, a crime against humanity. And I stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people. But uh, I also realize that here in this country, we elected, as Brother Haki was speaking, we elected, this country elected a fascist, Donald Trump. And the impact has polarized this nation in the most profound way. We 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 see uh, profoundly uh, ignorant people in both the House and the Senate. More so in the House right now, we see elected officials attempting from the state of Colorado wanting to bring their weapons in. We see. Uh, Taylor Greene of QAnon and is actually electing persons to Congress, this is a threat to democracy and social justice everywhere. And we, Brother Africa, must continue to fight for our planet. We uh, fight for our planet and the greening of the planet and reducing our carbon footprint everywhere. And we saw this week the threat and the attack on Roe versus Wade. But I remind our listening audience that for decades now, poor women who depend on Medicaid have been unable to receive abortions and exercise power over their bodies in Medicaid clinics. And uh, this is an atrocity the inequity. It's an apartheid unto itself. One group, a class of people have an opportunity to exercise their controls over their body and their family planning practices while another doesn't. And we see the polarization of women. Why are only women responsible for giving birth and raising children? What crises or what, what, happens to the men who impregnate these women. This is something that we're really going to have to address, the inequity uh, between the sexes as well as racism in this United States of America. So, yes, women hold up half the world, but it's more than just something we should talk about. Probably hold up more than half of the world because they're responsible for not only working jobs, but controlling the household and their families. Many of them raise children alone with absentee parents. And African-American women are often described in such unfavorable terms as they raise their children alone without husbands or fathers. And this is an atrocity. And I ask everyone to remember that we are men and women, boys and girls. We're not female or male. The days of chattel slavery are over. We're not classified as livestock. So why are we not able to say man, woman, boy, girl, and describe other people as they wish to be described? All right, Brother Africa, I hope we have a great show today, and we see that Mark Meadows allegedly cooperated with uh, the hearings concerning the January 6th insurgents. Uh, Whatever that means, we do not know, but we see what Donald Trump did to the Supreme Court with the appointment of an alleged rapist and a woman uh, that thought that it's okay to drop your children off your your newborn off at a fire station or police station when we have so many unadopted and uncared for children in this country and no one is thinking about feeding, educating and housing these women and children. So we really need to think this thing tr- through and create some type of equity for all people. Thank you.
6: Thank you.
1: Thank
3: you, Sister Illinois. You listen to Africa on the Move. We're going to pause this, take a revolutionary culture break, and we'll come back. We can get started with our segment, What's Going On in Your World and the Community. This is Africa on the Move.
7: No mind your nationality, you have got the identity of an African Cause if you come from Clarendon, and if you come from Portland And if you come from Westmoreland, you're an African you come from, as long as you're a black man, you're an African, No mind your nationality, you have got the identity of an African, But if you come from Trinidad, Shut
0: Pour les développements de notre continent Afrique, moi, le Congo, Marie de vos dans l'unité, dans l'amour, la volonté, le permis, un congo. L'amour, la volonté et le sacrifice pour le changement du Congo. Congolais Congo
7: nouveau, Madame Patricia Croix, servant, Banaya Congo, Africa,
0: TP, we are strong, Congolese, United, we are I think I was the one who was the one one who was the one who was the one who the one we am zita, <imitation> I'm zita, I'm a
7: puke zita, I'm a
0: puke zita, i
3: to share what's going on in your world and the communities. I'd like to give you just uh, a little bit of historical significance of events that took place in the past, but something remember. And they are, on this day, the fifth day of December, the National Congress of Negro Women was founded in 1935, as well as the first All-African People's Conference held in Akwa, Ghana, in nineteen fifty eight was was created on that particular date. there were two significant events that took place in your history, and don't you forget. So right now we're going to get started with our party as we talk about what's going on in your world and community, and right now we're bringing brother High Key. brother Haki, what's going on in your world and the community.
4: Well, <clears throat> well, Brother Africa, uh, sadly, there was a passing of a young um, African sh- female. The young sister, Isabella Tuchinor, uh, was 10 years of age, and she attended a school in Davis County, Utah, and uh, she attended a school by the name of Foxborough Elementary School. It's a very interesting story in that you know, the mother describes her little daughter as a very cheerful, very jovial kind of little girl. Uh, she said, by the time she entered the fifth grade in subject school, that demeanor totally changed. There was something fundamentally wrong. Uh, so one day she came home and and, and uh, you know and her behavior was somewhat erratic. And her mother inquired, you know, like you know, what's so what's wrong? And um, then she conveyed to her mother, you know, the kind of bullying, the kind of racial harassment that she had been receiving at the school. And despite the mother's attempt in terms of going to the school and going to the school district to address these issues. These issues only became fundamentally more worse. And she talked about the bullying in terms of, you know, you know the, 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 the kids in her class uh, calling her, uh, you know, to fact that, to the fact that she's dark. Uh, and in fact, she wasn't, you know, well, they said she was dark. Uh, they talk about her eyebrows being too thick or they talk about the beauty mark on her forehead. Now, interestingly enough, you know, she was the only African, African uh, in the child in the classroom. And so, therefore, the pressure must have been tremendous because also, in addition to being the only African student in the classroom, she also suffered from my autism, which means her ability to articulate, you know, ideas, you know, or might, might, might take some time in terms of bringing to, you know, uh, being able to articulate. And uh, so, anyway, uh, so, you know, despite, as I alluded to, you know, it was despite attempts by the mother to, to, to intervene to go to the school, go to school district to address these issues, these issues were never addressed. In fact, the issue in terms of racial discrimination was so uh, horrid at the school, uh, the Department of Justice reported over 200 different occasions. There have been 200 different cases in terms of um, uh, racial abuse of, of you know African and/or Hispanic children or Asian children in that school district. This, you know, one of the things I find rather ironic is give some inclination in terms of the nature of the, of the racism that exists in society, and in, in, in here in Utah. Was that you know when when the mother confronted the teacher at one point the teacher said to her, uh, you know um, you know when the te- when the kids are, are teasing when the kids are teasing her daughter that she says up to uh, the daughter uh, uh, Isabella to uh, work out her problems on her own. It seems to me that's very, very ironic because normally when you talk about children one of the things you want to do is you want to direct children in terms of the right direction, and one of the ways, one of the ways you want to do that is to teach kids to be sensitive toward others in terms of minimizing that kind of conflict. But the teacher was adamant. Her position was that she wasn't going to do it, that she was going to allow the kids continue to taunt her and to humiliate her and to, and to castigate her uh, based upon the complexion of her skin. So clearly, over time, this, this weighed on the little girl, and ultimately what happened was the, the little girl took her life. And, uh, you know, so, you know, one of the things, Brother Africa, is that, you know, when I talk about the fact that, you know, we, you have to have institutions, you must... The, the the mental condition condition of your children, And the way in which you do that, you have to fortify the children with understanding of the history in terms of who they are, the the beauty of their skin, what it represents historically, uh, you know, genetically, what it, what does it all mean? It's important that Africans grow up and understand precisely what that means, so sort of fortify them against so any kind of attacks, and so in the future, you know, when um, you know when the, you say uh, you got these. These kids who are who are under the, uh, the control of parents who may be illiberal, or maybe racist, uh, the kind of things that they espouse uh, doesn't have any, any real impact because if you if the African child is in position to articulate you know who they are and in the, in the, in the attributes of their skin color and, and, and genetic makeup, then it puts then it makes it uh, much easier for those kids to cope in that kind of situation. But if an African children don't have don't are not fortified with that kind of information. And then these kids come in and say, "Well, you stink because of the color of your skin, or your hair is, is, is not your hair, your hair is bad, or, or whatever." You know, if you don't, have, the kids not fortified that kind of information in terms of who they are and their, and their attributes, then there's no way they can, they can uh, fight back. And so what happened was that essentially, the little girl was extremely depressed. And like I said before, the school district, was un, un, <clears throat> the teacher as well as the school district was was clearly not interested in terms of addressing this issue. Uh, one of the things about this Utah society I think is worth noting is that when we talk about Utah, we talk about the influence of the Mormon culture or the Mormon religion. Keep in mind that one of the things in terms of Mormon religion, which they stress, that they, their position is that uh, historically that African people could never get to the highest level of, um, of, of highest level of, of heaven because African people were in fact cursed because of the color of their skin. Now, it wasn't until 1978 that this rule was, was, was eliminated from the Mormon teachings. But ironically, according to recent reports, uh, over seventy percent of the of the white adults who, who practice Mormonism still believe that skin color defines who you are. And certainly they see you as less human in fact if you're an African person. So clearly given that background and you got kids growing up, you know, coming up under those households, then certainly you can anticipate they would internalize a certain amount of racism. But if African kids don't have the information they need in terms of to protect themselves emotionally and psychologically, these kind of attacks, and inevitably they turn it angry on themselves. They end up killing themselves. And it's sad that the young sister, she's a very beautiful young sister, little ten year old sister, ended up killing herself. You know, and um, I'm, I'm just hoping that at this point and, uh, in Utah, those Africans who reside in Utah realize not just in Utah, but those Africans throughout the country uh, who find themselves in a situation where their where their kids are the minority in terms of you know their attendance at these schools that they understand the importance in terms of making damn sure that these kids have the correct influence they need in terms of being psychologically fight back when they're under attack, you know, by kids who are, for lack of a better term, are conditioned to, 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 to be racist. Uh, so clearly, Brother Africa, this is a very sad commentary, but it's important that when I keep saying you would have to be those institutions to, to, to protect the minds of our children, uh, if, if we don't do that, then the ultimate outcome is not a good one. And so clearly, you know, uh, the situation, you know, shouldn't have happened, uh, but, but on the other hand, you know, given the kind of insensitive of the of this administration of this school district, uh, this kind of thing is going to continue. So despite the 200 incidents of uh, the Department of Justice investigated with the school system, it persists to today. So clearly, you've got our work cut out for us
3: in terms of protecting our children's
4: uh, uh, mental and psychological health. Not close to that, Brother
3: Africa. Thank you, brother Haki. This more definitely make you wondering what are we doing? Damn, when it comes to uh, our children, because you know there's an ongoing struggle. And now they are even talking about basically wiping out African history in the context of in the context of writing the essence of our history in any history books. You know, anything that reflects uh, the positive aspects of our people, they come out rewriting or writing out com- completely. And there must be a strong fight back to make sure our history is known, not only to us, but to the rest of the world. Thank you, Brother Haki. Next, we'll make a transition to Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, talk to me. What's going on in your world in the community? Okay. Um, I have a
5: couple of incidents that are, are related to what Haki uh, talked about. Not the same, but related. Um uh, congresswoman Elon Omar uh was uh was attacked uh by uh by another Congresswoman, uh Boehner. I think that's her I think that's her last name. I, I might be butchering uh, the pronunciation of it. But uh anyway, uh she said that uh, because of her uh islamic uh, uh attire, she could be uh, c- uh confused as a terrorist and uh you know for uh for a coworker to make that kind of remark about another coworker is uh, you know uh, creates a, a, a definitely a poisonous work atmosphere and uh and shows the level of cultural and religious intolerance that pervades u s society, even though this took place a little while ago. I thought in light of uh, you know uh uh the uh you know what haqi reported, I thought it was still pertinent uh to mention this sort of thing that it pervades uh not only the youth. But even uh, even adults have, uh, you, you know, have this problem. And also, uh, there was an incident uh, at, in a rural area of Wisconsin uh, where uh, the, the, uh, this African that lived in a trailer park was uh, shot and killed by a European neighbor who uh, apparently there was some sort of dispute and uh the African was shot by uh by this uh european neighbor who uh, who who said he feared for his life and uh and uh that rationale has being used very frequently uh to justify uh Europeans taking the law into their own hands and uh and uh you know uh, violently attacking and uh killing uh a- Africans in the US. So uh even though uh you know I thought it was symbolic of uh the political trend uh that is going on in this society. I mean Africans could be doing something uh, fairly routine but uh but get attacked uh either because of their uh their ethnicity or 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 religious beliefs.
3: Thank you, Brother Anthony. Going from Brother Anthony. We now have to go to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, what's going on in your world or in the community?
6: well, it seems that um, we're faced with uh congress and uh it's, it's attempt to surpass these legislations uh build back better better program uh, um and the voting rights voting rights legislation uh well, there's a whole lot of uh inertia um uh, going on in congress and uh I think that's worth noting. Let's uh, um, um, the, say uh, Bob Dole passed away this week. That was another little side note. Um, um, I think you know that uh, this this racial hatred is is uh, apartheid is is a, is a history of economic opportunism and. Uh, and the history of apartheid is a study of is a story of denial and hatred. You know, uh, the the system of apartheid reveals that it is fascism, and fascism is is open tyranny with tyranny of finance capital. And the apartheid is an organization of racial hatred that attempts to purify one people at the cost of another. And uh this is uh, this veil that. W. E. B. Du Bois talked about and so was the Black Folk about the racist veil that that permeates society, uh, and divides uh the races, um, it's still evident in the world today and it's it's a real problem, uh uh that permeates everyday personal lives of people. And um I'm concerned about that. Uh meanwhile, um there hasn't been any any. I haven't heard, heard any headway in terms of the Palestinian people and their struggle. I, I, uh, I haven't heard much news out of what's going on in Palestine. Uh, uh, the Israelis seem to have just devastated the, the whole country. Uh, there's, there's. I'll leave it right there. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Brother Moses, and I believe we have Carla, I can call out the last four numbers, 0796, Carla 0796, what's going on in your world and the community, Carla 0796, the mic is yours, going once, going twice, 0796, you can speak now, okay, Let's move on. You're listening to Africa on the Move. What we're going to do right now, we're going to take a rubbish culture break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss our theme tonight. And we want you to come and join us. And you're going to do that by calling 323 Hit one. And we will acknowledge at your last four numbers. Our theme tonight is, what are we doing? Damn. That's right. We said it. So we'll see you in a few This is Africa on the move.
0: Buffalo soldier
6: attitude towards Africa. In San Francisco on African Liberation
5: Day, Brother Walter Rodney, an African historian, noted both the importance of African Liberation Day in terms of our African identity and some of the root causes for our problem of identification.
8: I have met brothers and sisters who say that their mother town, quote-unquote, is French, Spanish, Dutch, Portuguese as well as English which we speak. And because of this, we have a problem of identification. We do not know whom we are and that is why this gathering is of great symbolic importance because it is an act of identification. We are saying that we identify with the African people of the African continent. We are saying that we are an African people. and When we make this identification, have no illusions about the fact that this is a very revolutionary initiative. It is a rejection of every other form of identification which the white society has asked us to accept. Let me draw your attention to something which white universities and white libraries practice. And this is a university community. Numerous universities lie around this land. Go into their libraries and check the Library of Congress cards under Europe or Europeans. You will find all entries listed concerning the continent of Europe. You will also find entries listed about Europeans in East Africa, Europeans in North Africa, Europeans in Asia and Australia. Look under the Chinese, you will find entries listed not only for mainland China but for Malaysia and for the Chinese in, in, the, in North America. But look under Africa and the Africans. The only entries on the Africans relate to the continent it, itself. There are no entries on the Africans overseas. There is no such category. Africans who have been raped from the continent mysteriously disappear. And become Negro.
3: We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Moon. This is the fifth day of December 2021. And our theme tonight is, what are we doing now? We will host some particular articles of interest. We'd like for you to join us in this discussion by calling 323-679-0841. If you have a common question, hit one, and we will acknowledge and advance for our numbers. So, panelists, analysts, let's get started for tonight and discuss the first article that came out of Bloomberg Report, where it talk about Bill Gates. Let me just start you off a little bit about this with this article, and I'd like each one of y'all to give y'all take analysis on the importance importance of Understanding what this article was conveying, stated that last month, Microsoft co-founder Gil Gates surpassed Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos to once again become the world's richest individual, according to Bloomberg Billionaires Index. Born by an enormous 48 percent increase in Microsoft share price, the share Gates has retaken the title he last held in 2017. The outcome is partially owned to the whims of Donald J. Trump. Microsoft recently surprisingly defeated Amazon bid for an extremely lucrative $10 billion Pentagon cloud computing contract that sees the company instantly become one of the world's most important military and security contractors. Excuse me for the second, please. It goes on on to say, this decision, Amazon alleges, was due to the interference from the president who holds a personal grudge against Bozo, whose Washington Post has maintained a campaign of resistance against him. Case was also recently in the news attacking the wealth tax that Democratic presidential nominate, nomination candidate Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders have proposed. I'm all for a super progressive tax system, but when you say I should pay $100 billion, then i start to do a little math about what I have left over. The Seattle Media said, for the record, he will have over $6 billion left. So I'll start right there. We'll start off with your brother, Edson. In this article, one of the things that will make you say, what are we doing now, is that a fundamental question we'll ask, and I'm trying to pick out, it seems to be obvious, should we have a wealth tax? Should we even have billionaires in a society where they have more wealth than governments? Your response, Brother Anthony, to this article.
5: Uh, 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 A wealth tax. Uh, Tax should be wealth because the wealthy uh, consume a bulk of uh, uh, the resources of society while the uh while the masses who uh, of people who generate that wealth are left to suffer because they do not have the resources needed uh to survive in this society or just enough uh to go to go back and forth to work and uh now in this article uh Gates is presented as a good uh, as one of the good billionaires, uh, because of his philanthropy. But at the end of the day, I mean uh what he gives he gets the uh, he gets the right off of his uh the right off of his taxes. Like most billionaires do that make donations. So, as I uh, let's see, in a in, 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 in a just society, there would be no billionaires, because uh, where you have wealth, wealthy people, you have poor people. That's how the the difference between wealthy and poor people arise, because the wealthy live off the, off of the blood, sweat, and labor. Of the the toiling masses of the people, even though they may, uh, uh, you know, the, regardless of how kind-hearted in nature they are, uh, they uh, where uh, where where there's wealth, there's poverty, and history has shown that, especially under a capitalist system. And uh, and uh, let's see. And uh, a system in which you have a few that control the wealth of society has to be abolished. Abolished in favor of a society in which uh, the uh, the the people that that were to bear the fruit are the same as the fruit eaters and uh i think uh you know so i think uh i think uh a a wealth tax would be a fair way inadequate, but it would be a fair way of uh of uh, re- re- redistributing uh the resources of society so that it benefits more of the people.
3: Thank you, Brother Anthony. Brother Hackey, come talk to me, about Hackey. And talk about across the media, Gates is presented as one of the good billionaires and warm-hearted philanthropists dedicated to giving away his entire fortune to needed causes. The charitable organization of Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is the largest of its sorts in the world, holding over $50 billion in assets. His insight and his generosity are constantly emphasized in headlines. He As the following examples demonstrate, Bill Gates' philanthropists, why Bill Gates thinks finding any polo is worth it, how Bill Gates aims to clean up the planet, what Einstein and Bill Gates teaches us about time travel, etc., etc., et cetera, et cetera. Father High Key, in terms of this narrative, is this a true narrative for who Bill Gates is and why billionaires are more destructive than constructive in our world. Give me your perspective on the phenomenon, Brother Hackey. The mic is yours.
4: You have to be very, very candid. When we talk about billionaires in the context of capitalism, we have to understand, first and foremost, no individual is, is, is productive to the extent that they can make a billion dollars a year. It's just It's just unreasonable. So when you have billions owning, you know, you know, fifty, sixty, hundred, two hundred billion dollars in wealth, it's, uh, it, it, in, in, in terms of, in terms of logic, it doesn't make any sense at all. Because certainly one of the things that you need in the context of capitalism is that you need the You need money flowing through the system. When you create a system whereby in which, the, as opposed to money flowing through the system, money ends up in offshore accounts. Or money ends up in buying large sums of assets. It means that fundamentally, what you're doing is you're essentially what you're doing is bankrupting, bankrupting, the economy. So when, so when Bernie Sanders says there should be no billionaires, he's absolutely correct. Just in terms of productivity, there's there's nobody can qualify making a billion dollar. It's just it's just it's just it's, just, it's just insane. Uh, one of the things when we talk about the conflict between the U. S. and China, in large part, is due in terms of you know economic philosophy. China is saying that, listen, we don't have a problem with you making money, but what you're not going to do is you're not going to use your your, your wealth to uh, to, uh, to uh, corrupt the system. You're not going to do that. We have a population that depends on us. We have a population that we have to provide for. And in order for us to do this, we realize that we can't allow you billionaires to take control because if you take control, eligibly, your own self-interest takes, uh, takes, uh, takes the lead. So in the context of the United States, that's exactly what's been happening. The billionaires actually control things. And so when you think about billionaires actually talking about uh, putting, you know, uh, uh, spaceships, you know, to travel abroad to Mars and so forth and so on, when you talk about, you talk about billionaires uh, setting up economic policy for a nation, this is absurd. The whole point in terms of so-called democracy is that uh, the interest of the people lies with, the, with your uh, elected representatives. And so what you're saying to me is that the elected representatives don't have any power. What you're saying is that based upon God's intent, that's where the real power re- relies, where the real power lay. So the real power, power lay uh, relies with the very, very wealthy. Then you give them a more a amount of power, and of course in the, in the context of using that power, they're not going to use it in terms of the benefit of society, they're going to use it for the benefit of themselves. Consequently, when we talk about Bill Gates, one of the things that and most people don't, don't ever talk about, but Bill Gates owned over 270,000 acres of land in the United States, covering 19 states now for one human being to have that much access over farmland over 19 states is absurd so when we talk about the cost of food when we talk about the cost of land when we talk about all those things that are so vital in terms of you know uh uh, uh, uh vital needs of society when you when you relegate all the power of one individual to dictate you know whether or not people eat whether or not people have access you know to to land in terms of building or, or people have access to uh uh, to, uh, uh, to to uh, affordable housing based upon availability of land, anytime you have a situation where it's up to an individual, which individual is that, to determine those outcomes, then the reality is that those things simply don't get done. And this is the fundamental problem. So when you so when you paint Bill Gates as a as as as, as someone who is altruistic that he really gives a damn about humanity, he he doesn't really give a damn about humanity. One one thing he's been very very clear on: he's talking about depopulation but he never talks about addressing the fundamental inequalities economically that, that exists in the world. So all the suffering, when, when, when they talk about the fact that it takes between 30 to $40 billion a year to eliminate suffering or poverty or, or, or people, people having, not having access to food, it takes 40, 30 to $40 billion to address that issue. Yeah, when you think about someone like uh, Gates, he alone could, in fact, address world hunger. He has a means to do that. I don't see that happening superimposed upon the fact that we got to understand that when this guy gives the money that he gives in terms of his earnings, keep in mind, most of it he gets back in terms of 5013C. So he doesn't to give it out because it's the interest of people. He gives away because he understands that given it, the system is set up in such a way in which he gets more back. And so there's no real altruism. There's no real concern, real compassion in terms of the suffering of the masses of people. It simply doesn't work that way. So this notion that somehow Bill Gates is somehow humanitarian is BS. But it serves the interest of the, the narrative that's created by the people in positions of power, because one of the things the people in power want you to believe, they want you to believe that they're ex, they're not ex, you know that they're somehow um, that they're somehow uh, all important in terms of the aspirations of society, and so therefore without them nothing will get done. They want you to believe that. Now if you buy into that nonsense, that's on you. But the bottom line is that, as, as Bernie's trying to say, there should be no billionaires, not only because. Uh, no, the, the question in terms of productivity arranged uh, uh, true, but also because when you start talking about billionaires, then essentially what you're talking about less resources to, this, to the system, which, which, which needs those resources in terms of remaining, remaining viable. And as a capitalist, uh, for people who are capitalists, and they should understand quite clearly, you know, that uh, without money flowing through the system, clearly that capitalism can't work. Problems in terms, of peculiar to capitalism, that's one of the problems that China has been over to, to, to overcome. Certainly one of the problems that Cuba has been over, been able to overcome simply because they recognize money for money's sake is, 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 is no economic solution. That if that money is not being used in terms of revitalizing that society, then, uh, you know, simply giving rich people more and more money does nothing in terms of achieving or making society better for, you know, making the society viable or even better. So I'll close with that, Brother Africa. Hey,
3: Brother Haki, Sister Eleanor, talk to me, Sister Eleanor. I'd like to get you response to the statement, Sister allen What you take from this statement? There are a few problems with that narrative. Firstly, if Gates is so committed to giving his money away, why does he keep getting richer? This is not a trivial question. question. This network has increased from $75 billion in March 2016 to a staggering $106 billion today. According to Forbes magazine, over 40% increase in these years alone. Your response, Sister Eleanor?
1: Brother Africa, the fact that um, Bill Gates' had income or earnings have increased from $75 billion in March of 2016 to a staggering $106 million last year is, is is not including his earnings in 2021 is outrageous. And as uh, the article said, it is sick. It's a sickness of our system that billionaires exist. How can one person be worth so many billions of dollars and another person who works every day be worth $25,000. This type of inequity is uh, outrageous. And one thing both Brother Haki and Anthony mentioned was the corporate structure in this country, the 501c3s. How can Bill and Melinda Gates oversee their 501 c 3 that's outrageous unto itself. And as Brother Anthony mentioned, every dime they get to that 501c3 gives them greater tax breaks, but even guarantees them possibly receiving tax dollars from the working people of America. So, this is outrageous. Um, It's unhealthy. It undermines democracy. And as Brother Haki said, you know, the United States defers, and as the article said, that before the World Health Organization or anyone else takes action, everything is vetted by Bill Gates. Well, who's Bill Gates? He's a billionaire. I don't think he's as educated as many other people. He's not Dr. Gates. He's not Doctor, He doesn't have a a master's of science. Does he have a bachelor's of science? I don't think so. But the reality is Bill Gates isn't interested in relieving world hunger or hunger in the United States. The media is indebted to Bill Gates. Just as Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post, Bill Gates has contributed, as the article stated, greatly to uh, NBC News, to Al Jazeera, to The Guardian in Great Britain, the United Kingdom. So, you know, uh, some of this is self-serving misinformation uh, through the media. He's a generous philanthropist. Yeah, it's true. Warren Buffett told Bill Gates about giving his money away sharing with the world, but did Warren intend for him to set up his own 501c3 where he directs those dollars? And certainly, we're well overdue for a wealth tax in this country. And as we know, the EU, the 27 countries of the EU are planning to establish a wealth tax of at least 25%. So if the U.S. continues to let these top 20%, these two wealthiest men in the world, not pay taxes, as we know, Jeff Bezos paid zero taxes in 2019. What we don't know is how much of our received in 2019. As we know, he paid zero taxes in 2014. But we don't know how much of our tax dollars he received. We do know that he wants an investigation of who leaked this information from IRS. And when we have these billionaires like this, Brother Africa, we begin to have a monoculture. Suddenly corporations run the world. You see right now we're having a problem receiving basic goods like uh, toilet paper and other goods in this country, or buying a used car. Well, that's because the means of production have long left these shores. And there should be some kind of combination of global economics that includes production in the United States as well as our imports from other countries. We're we're at a great disadvantage. The only thing the government seems to control are the ports. And the billionaires control all corporate interests, and they make decisions for us. Excuse me, Brother Africa. They're making decisions for us. And this is undermining democracy. Billionaires shouldn't be the main person at the table discussing global warming. Billionaires shouldn't be the main persons at the table discussing world population growth. Billionaires shouldn't represent the interests of organizations like the the World Health Organization. And the UN, as is stated, the UN said these billionaires are a problem unto themselves. The U.N. estimates it would take, as you said, $30 billion to end world hunger per year. Gates or Basel could end world hunger for multi-year. They're not taking an action to do that. They're not setting up windmills and alternative energy, brother. They're not. And they're not concerned about the interests of the working class. And Jeff Bezos... He undermined the forming of a union just this year. Why would he not let his workers organize and be protected and have decent wages and health care and a retirement plan? What did it take from him? His, his, His violations to workers' rights were just an expense of doing business. Whatever the courts find him, it's just another write-off being paid for by the workers of America and being, quite frankly, paid for by our tax dollars. So, um, no, we don't need all these billionaires. We're going to need to change. And everyone seems to identify with these billionaires. They're the ones polluting the earth, by everyone worried about global warming and their floods and fires across the nations of the world in 2021. Basils is going out in space, and Gates is talking about how he doesn't use fossil fuel. He uses uh, petrol from corn in his jet. Either way, he's destroying the planet, and their carbon footprint is too big, and their too heavy for the world, for the working class people to continue to hold up. And Jeff Bezos is here in the District of Columbia. Why hasn't he contributed to Howard University and made sure that the students at Howard University have adequate housing? Why couldn't he make sure an African institution in the United States be solid? Why couldn't he... Uh, adopt all HBUs? Why couldn't he decide to support all museums and the conservation of art? That's not his business. That's not his interest. So why on earth are our politicians going to him for advice? Brother Haki is right. That's not allowed in China. China has 10 of the wealthiest people on planet Earth. But they're not involved in the workings of the communist working part, of the communist Chinese Communist Party they're able to separate business from government we claim to separate religion from government but we didn't mention separating business from government so we find these um, inequities in supplies and consumer goods because we're allowing business to make decisions. We don't produce steel in this country any longer. You know, we have to depend on another nation to produce little microchips that we need. And we're selling drones to foreign nations to destroy people. There's a famine in Yemen. Do you think Bill Gates ever woke up and said, look, I need to stop these women and children from dying in Yemen today. I may not be a politician interfering in the Saudi Arabian-led war, but I can definitely feed these people, not for a day. So these millionaires are two billionaires, I'm sorry, these trillionaires, whatever they are, are too heavy for the world. And their incomes exceed as you said, Brother Africa, many nations, so the article is clear, and Bernie Sanders is correct. We need a wealth tax and elizabeth warren i'm i'm she attempted to capitulate and apologize to Gates after she said that he should pay a hundred billion dollars in taxes, and he would still have six billion left off over and his income growing by, it seems, by the day, if not the hour. So certainly we need to reexamine how we think of having the super, super rich and the rest of the world environmentally unsound, socially unjust, and it undermines democracy in every way. Thank you, Brother Africa. Hello.
3: We now make our transition to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, sorry for the technical difficulty, Brother Moses. Is it a sickness for our system or de system? And I can say after we don't own none of it. It's our enemy. Is it a sickness? Of the system to even allow billionaires exist. What is your take from this article, Brother Moses?
6: Yeah, the the fact that you know the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poor, and uh, the the way you get wealth is through the exploitation of other people, workers, uh, means that workers stay um, poor, and it's creating poverty. and in terms of the wealth that's being uh, extracted from the labor power of the workers. So, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a problem that, um, uh, exploitation takes place. Um, um, I think, you know, that, um, Bill Gates and, you know, that, that, um, he should be taxed and um uh, and uh but not only that but we need we need workers to take control of of the place and uh to stop the exploitation itself and uh that's the real issue with uh, tax taxes is, is a is a reform uh on the capitalism whereas on the scientific socialism there will be appropriation of of the resources and, uh, and the working class would be able to self-manage themselves in terms of productive production and, uh, and, uh, would be a whole different ball game. Um, so, you know, these, these billionaires, uh, are our problem. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Oatmoser
3: and Brother Anthony. One of the things I think, we need to speak to in terms of how philanthropy plays a role politically of creating and undermining movements. And historically it has done that and we continue to do it today. Your response, Brother Anthony, how does philanthropy play the role of undermining movements, setting political trends and tones, and they are really Um, a key factor in terms of uh, many times uh, what politicians do and don't do because of their large amount of money to influence. Brother Anthony, your response.
5: You make a a good point, Brother Africa, and it is correct uh, because one of of the ways in which uh, the wealthy and I'm talking about millionaires, billionaires, uh, you know, uh, multi-billionaires, et cetera, is they make contributions through organizations called uh, political action committees in the U.S. uh, to political campaigns. And they're able to buy uh political influence uh th- in in this fashion and uh and that undermines uh and that makes um uh you know capitalist societies even uh e- even less uh democratic than uh than they uh than they actually uh, than, than, than they, that that than even more undemocratic than they actually are because you have the few a few uh people that control they don't earn they control uh you know uh you know resources that influence the outcomes of elections uh the decisions that are made at the legislative level, and uh they pay organizations called lobbyists uh you know to influence uh political decisions that are made uh by uh legislatures and uh other policy makers and they also influence political appointments in a way that uh that workers in uh capitalist societies don't don't have the ability to, to do. So any socialist society is more democratic than any capitalist system that exists, uh, uh, you know, on the planet, you know, right now, Uh, particularly uh, uh, in places like uh, Britain, Canada, and the U.S., where capitalism is so highly developed. And uh, you know, the uh you know, you have an int- entrenched bourgeoisie that controls
3: uh the resources. You know, Brother I key one of the things that is fundamentally um contradiction uh long being there to inside you that it shows you that this whole concept of democracy, this whole concept, this concept of voting to exert your influence will never take place because of the resistance of billionaires and millionaires. For example, it's my understanding, if you look at most politicians in the so-called White House today in Congress, most of not all of them, they are millionaires and millionaires. Now, what can we include for that? Brother Hackie, how does that take away the whole illusion of voting and having participants to have influence on its so-called leadership? Brother Hackey, your response.
4: Yeah, well, you know, brother Africa, you 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 have to give the ruling class a kudos in terms of ability to deceive. Uh, there are those people who uh, bet their bottom dollar that the solution that we that we that we confronted with or the solution or, 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 or not resolve the problem that we're going to find it with. But if we simply go about, you know, voting, that certainly that would be instrumental in terms of bringing about the kind of results that we, that we, that we need, certainly the kind of results that we have to have. The reality is that, you know, in the context of capital system, we're talking about the availability of money. And so what happens is that you got a system that's, that's, that's being engineered specifically by wealthy people for the benefit of wealthy people. And so, therefore, if the name of the game is about enrichment, then the bottom line is that you do everything you do is about, it's about enrichment. It's about getting more money. And so when you talk about democracy and voting, one of things you've got to understand, you're absolutely correct. So when you talk about the, the in, in, in enormous amount of influence that, the, that, that, that millionaires and billionaires have in terms of including the democratic process, then you understand why democracy could never be. Uh, one of the things is that when we talk about the the the, the, the importance in terms of you know uh, money, in the context of capitalism, you got to understand that when you when you make decisions in in, in Congress in hall in, in halls of power generally, certainly one of the things you want to do is you want to do make those decisions with 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 with, with the understanding that those decisions are going to impact you positively over course of, over the course of a, a course of of time. In that context. If you vote on something that, uh, let's say, oil, uh, you talk about uh, taxing oil corporations. Well, the problem with taxing oil corporations for many, many people is when you tax oil corporations, you also limit your the campaign contributions. So, therefore, as a politician, do you really want to limit or tax oil because it's going to impact you directly in terms of comp- campaign contributions? And so, therefore, it's was invested interest in terms of playing ball because the more politicians play ball, then the more money you can earn. So in terms of democracy, democracy doesn't really exist because the bottom line is that it's all about the money. So in it, when you think about in terms of the kind of assets you need to just run for office in America, you think about that, then what are, the, what are they saying to you? It's very, very clear what they're saying to you. They're saying that, listen, in order for you to become become part of this this institution – and number one, you got to appeal to a lot of people with lots of money. Now, in appealing, Now, the thing is that when you appeal to people with lots of money, of course, you have to carry out their interests. Where in carrying out their interests, there's an understanding, there's a pre-quote, pre-quote, quote, in which you understand that, you know, if I carry out the interests of the powerful, then somehow I'm going to benefit down the line, if not directly. So clearly, it's, so the question of democracy becomes a very, a very, very, uh, a, a, a very difficult uh, argument to make in the context of capitalism. You see the two of the two, you can't have two. Uh, the two the two counter one another. Democracy says that is uh, sees things see things as egalitarian uh, uh pursuits. In other words, the interests of the of, of the masses of people take precedent over all of the concerns. Whereas, whereas capitalism says that no 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 it's all about individuals, it's all about individual attainment of wealth. And so therefore that context when you've got a politician in positions of power, you have got an opportunity to make and lots of money by playing ball. Why do you think they would give any credence to democracy? Why would you think? Why Why do you think they would say, "Hey, then what do people think is important?" Of course, what do people think is not important. And one of the things that I'm very, very sad, and I mentioned this before, and one of the things I had, I got a little bit of respect for uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez because of some of the things that she says. But when she sold out to the Israel lobby in terms of giving them billions of dollars for the sole purpose, in terms of the you know, the, the, the destruction of the Palestinians, destruction of the people in Yemen. When she get some people billions and millions of dollars for military armory armory, uh uh I you know, I realize just the power in terms of uh of of money, you know, in the society. So we gotta be very very clear. So when we talk about democracy in the context of capitalism, the two can't coexist. And and this is a, this is a sad reality. We have to understand that. Also, when, as Brother Anthony talked about, when you talk about the fact that, um, you know, when we talk about the role of money in terms of politics, one of the things you've got to understand, not only do people in positions of power make stipulations, but they're also very, very good in terms of legitimizing earth's interests. And so, therefore, the people in this country say, we want affordable housing. Well, what happens when we say we want affordable housing? The politicians do what? The exact opposite. Okay? The people say, we want jobs. What do are, what are the politicians do? The exact opposite. Uh, people inside say we want to have access to education. What do the people do? The exact opposite. The politicians do? The exact opposite. So you're going to ask yourself, Wait a minute, all these things that people need, that we keep on saying we need these things, but our politicians, our elected representatives, do the exact opposite. So what is the benefit in terms of them playing ball? It's about the accumulation of, of money. And it's very, very simple. It's very, very clear. But on a more local level, Brother Africa, I'm going to say this and I'm going to conclude. important that we talk about philanthropy as it relates to you know, local local, local organizations. One of the things, and George John is very clear on this point, one of the things they do in terms of dividing movement. So one of the things, if you want to play up, say, for instance, gender uh, gender, uh, gender uh, uh, conflict in the context of movement, well, you have you find some people who say that the problem is that uh, women are being exploited, and so therefore that is the issue. Or you say to people, well, the problem is that, well, you know, uh, it's the treatment of animals, which is problematic, and that has to be addressed. Or they say, uh, well, public schools are obsolete, so what we need is what we need is, is uh, vouchers to go to, you know, uh, uh, to, to, to schools that are sanctioned, you know, by private, by private individuals as a solution to the, the economic ills of society. All these issues tend to divide, but in the same token, they give legitimacy to those issues. And so what happens is that while you're dividing people around around these issues because people don't see whether they're talking about you know animal rights or whether they're talking about uh, schooling education or whether they're talking about uh, women's rights, none of this stuff can be divorced from the way capitalism works. see this is the thing so what they conveniently do what they intelligently do is they keep people away from discussion around capitalism so people keep talking about these gender issues gender issues or these uh uh, uh or these kind of issues, which are really side issues, which really don't get to, get to the essence of the problem. So you see, the essence of the problem is the capitalism. So all of these things, if you're going to remedy all of these problems, then you have to, you have to get rid of capitalism. It's very, very clear. But what these billionaires recognize is they can dis- divide these movements by simply funding these groups who are going to push their line at the expense of the reality in terms of the need for the, to, to, to abolish you know capitalism. So clearly these, these philanthropists understand that this correlation with so called at least this researching that uh, democracy exists and and, 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 and and democracy represents uh uh represents is truly representative of the ability of people to, to actually vote. Top, philanthropists understand that's all crap. They understand that the masses of people don't have any real power in terms of affecting real change in society. Unless we're organized and move into moving to number one. And we can go to voting route to make sure that you have people who are going to push our interests, which is which is very difficult to do. Or we create our own independent parties in terms of you know push to push against you know the prevailing uh uh uh, uh, uh way of doing things politically. So clearly, brother Africa, so this, so this question in terms of democracy and capitalism, I think it's very important that we understand the the implications of the, that question. Understanding that in the context of capitalism, you're never going to have democracy. It simply can't exist.
3: And understand that. Uh, thank you, Brother Haki. and this is to everyone. Uh, we start with just, just knowing you take the lead. I would like to have others respond just to this particular point, which I thought was very important, and we would have hit upon it by taking these further discussions, so people get a clear understanding of the role of philosophy in a capitalist system. It talks about one of the examples of the foundation. Enhancing corporate power is a close relationship with highly controversial pharmaceuticals and chemical giant Monsanto's Corporation, who will help gain a stronger foothold in Africa. It also oversaw a flawed clinical trial of the HPV vaccine in India in 2009 where 23,000 impoverished girls aged 9 to 15 were exposed to potentially latent drugs without even their parents' consent, leading to several deaths. He is also preoccupied with controlling Africa's population through family planning, fearing a population move. As such, he appears almost more interesting and eliminating the people who are suffering than the source of the suffering itself. Gates is also one of the most important individuals leading the sort on the American Public Education Network in the form of charter schools. Now, <laughs> I'll start right there. That says a lot. Give me your your take of this particular statement, Mrs. Eleanor, and I would like the rest of my panelists to weigh in on this as well. Eleanor, start us off.
1: Brother Africa, that is an example of um, undermining uh, democracy and a free society. Uh, charter schools take money out of the public door and put it into private schools that uh, the private sector and the religious right as well as other corporate interest, interest uh, set the curriculum. And uh, this undermines education, but it definitely um, takes away democracy. And it was interesting that Bill Gates and the, the Gates Foundation contributed so much to the uh, uh, charter schools. Now, as we know, unionized public school teachers and other workers are uh, opposed to these uh, charter schools. Um, No bigger campaign, as it says, there is no bigger campaign of the charter schools. uh, There is no bigger uh, champion of the charter schools than Bill Gates, who has plowed enormous amounts of money into the movement even funding pro-charter school uh, documentaries, Waiting for Superman. Now, um, this is an example of uh, really uh, undermining democracy, undermining the public sector. Nothing is more uh, primary or sacred than education. And as Brother haki said, uh, just to backtrack for a minute, If we don't have campaign reform and get these billionaires out of politics, no one, you're right, no one, those few congressmen sleeping on the floor in their office because they can't afford D.C. rent won't exist because it will only be a place for the big money people. And it's interesting how Bill and Hillary Clinton went into the White House without any money. They didn't even own their own home before entering the White House. Someone donated a home to them, and it wasn't any 200000 or $500,000 home that was given to them. And uh, now they're millionaires living in the Hamptons somewhere. But this uh, charter school and this health issue is a major issue. The fact that these children died in India was outrageous. And just the reality that Bill Gates isn't concerned with eliminating poverty He just, as the article stated clearly, is interested. He's not interested in eliminating any suffering. He's interested in eliminating people themselves. So, um, and it's interesting that he wants to make his population control efforts in Africa and amongst African people. And as we have seen in recent weeks, that women in these detention centers Are being uh, forcibly sterilized. Some of them don't even realize they're being sterilized, even in this country. So this is a real issue, and this just shows how out of control uh, this these rich people are. And the only reason they get such favorable press is because they have such an economic influence over the press. And once they purchase everything and they continue to support non-union labor and to encar- and uh, and and deny their own workers to take over the means of production and to share the wealth continue to be a massive problem so the the health issue is an example and those families and those young women's lives are irreparably harmed and you know the HPV uh, virus which is something that uh, we were promoting in this country because um, several types of cancer in both men and women come from uh, sexual activity so we thought with the vaccine and if we we have to give it to very young people because once they're sexually active it's, it's apparently ineffective And uh, uh, why were we giving it in in India, uh, where people tend not to be as sexually active as they are in the United States, is really questionable. And again, um, I don't really trust these pharmaceuticals, as you see, uh, Pfizer and Merck have come up with a new Corona pill. Pfizer has one that's going to be something you take for five days after you've contacted Corona. And Merck has one you're going to take for 30 days after you've contacted Corona. So here we see the billionaires involved in pharmaceuticals and medicine, and they're not medical professionals. And we already know that in this country, the pharmaceutical companies, have a great deal of control over the medical school curriculum. And uh, we see so many social injustice. I saw uh, someone was having a problem where they needed to address the skin problem with um, soap and water and uh, an A&D ointment placed in the hospital this week because they were given an antibiotic in a, in a uh, hospital owned by one of these mega insurance companies, Brother Africa, and the woman was 97. She turned 98 yesterday, and she's hospitalized now because the doctor didn't realize the importance of, importance of soap and water and personal hygiene, just as they don't understand nutrition. So what do we have, this mono society where people are so segmented and know so little about each other? And we have these billionaires like Bill Gates involved in pharmaceuticals. It's it's wrong, and it needs to be outlawed. There need to be some type of boundaries established, but beyond campaign reform, beyond taxation, as Brother Robert said, that's a reform, and and the workers really have to begin. We have to be organized and take over the means of uh, production or to control our labor in a more effective way to improve our quality of life, our health, and longevity. And charter schools are uh, a harm to society. They're not productive. I can't tell you the number of students I've seen after they've completed their charter school education are not prepared to enter university or other training programs simply because of a lack of skill. And we have charter schools that focus on the certain industries, such as the hotel industry and this sort of thing. What options does it give these people? You know, we're directing them as young people into certain industries and certain jobs rather than giving them a good liberal arts education where we include science, technology, the arts, including music. This no longer exists, environmental science. How are we going to stop global warming when we're pushing charter schools and we're letting uh, people like Bill Gates influence what our children are learning? That's outrageous, Brother African. It's a crime against humanity. Okay, let's start right there, sister so Illinois and go to Brother Moses. Brother
3: Moses, you like to add anything to
6: this. Certainly it's the crime against humanity, as she said. Uh, um, we need to take control of the means of production. This is what the revolution is all about, uh, a real socialist, a scientific socialist revolution, that is. Uh, otherwise, we're talking about reforms and and uh, uh, just hoping for a gentler, kindler capitalism, which is not going to happen. Uh, so this, this is a, a dog-eat-dog world, and uh, uh, the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. And that's, that's the situation we're faced with, and we have to organize and be organized uh, uh, in order to overcome. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Brother Moses, and Brother Anthony. You know, as I read that particular paragraph, it reminded me of in essence in in terms of when one one of you who's the friend and who's the enemy. When one talk about the increase of privatization, when one allow individuals to weaponize their their, their wealth, because clearly their wealth when you talk about big billionaires, is weaponized to oppress people of, of the world. This is what comes to my mind. Your take on this phenomenon phenomenon, Brother Anthony, as relates to how actually his wealth is being used to enrich the pharmaceuticals. It being enriched to create programs to depopulate different people, people of different ethnicities. His wealth is being used to privatize public facilities. So, um, there is an act of class warfare against the people. We want objectively to take a look at this phenomenon. Brother Anthony, your response.
5: Sure. Uh you're correct, Brother Africa. And I wanna add that uh that Bill Gates uh uh is a eugenicist. And uh he and and it, i I think his father, uh is or was also, and uh, so and uh, so they uh, so rather than, than eliminating uh, the root of the problem of uh, of uh, you know uh, of uh, poverty and uh, hunger, he wants to eliminate people particularly african people and uh and that's been an uh, an objective of eugenesis for nearly a uh, for nearly a century or so and uh and uh, also uh, let's see his policies the policies that he's pursuing through uh through the uh through his foundation uh you know are detrimental uh to african people worldwide not just on the continent but even worldwide and also uh and also the emphasis on charter schools which uh sister uh eleanor pointed out correctly do not provide a sufficiently well-rounded education so that people uh, you know, have a diverse set of skills. Uh, they basically train specialists. And uh and uh, so, you know, so when uh when something when a change happens and that industry uh you know and that work is not no longer available then then people that are subject to charter school education are screwed, basically. And uh you know, and uh you know, and uh I think this uh testifies to why uh you know uh you, uh you know uh capitalism has to be eliminated uh for the survival of humanity. And uh, you know, and 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 it's the, and it's gonna take the masses of the people organized in order to bring that about uh because it is not in the bourgeoisie's interest to uh to really come up with a real solution to this problem. They can uh, that they, they'll uh they'll come up re- with reforms here and there that will uh lessen the pain of the suffering but will not eliminate the suffering.
3: And Brother Haki before we go going to break we want you to respond to, again to the paragraph that I just re- recently read. But more importantly, just understand the concept of how the wealthy, the philanthropists, the millionaires, billionaires, how they have continued to weaponize their wealth as a tool of oppression. Talk to us, Brother Hackey.
4: Yeah, brother Africa. You know, when you, when you talk about wealth being, you know, weaponized, it's important. One of the things we have to understand. Uh, one of, one of the uh, desires uh, by the capitalists or by the wealthy generally is to reduce competition. You know, often people think that, you know, what, you know, one day I'm going to be a millionaire. One day I'm going to be a billionaire. Well, what things? One of the things that they do they create. They create. Uh, they, they 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 create the conditions. Uh, which actually reduces competition, so your so the so, the, so the so your possibility or the chances of you actually becoming a millionaire or a billionaire become very very slim, even though the popular perception is that anybody can do it. But of course, it, of course, in terms of just having access to that kind of money, it just even in terms of investments, uh, there is a there is a uh, clearly there is a uh, a strategy employed by the wealthy in terms of limiting who have access to wealth and who doesn't. Of course, we not we don't understand that. We think that everything is free and open the board board, but in fact, the people who are wealthy understand that they use that wealth to make sure to implement policies to make sh- to, to to limit or to undermine people's ability in terms of trying to reach reach that milestone in terms of becoming a millionaire or a billionaire. So that's the first thing we, when we talk about wealth in terms of being weaponized, we understand that that basic fundamental premise. Also, I think uh, one of the things is that uh, when we talk about wealth being weaponized, you know. Um, one of the things that you want to do is in terms of using that wealth to make sure you discredit certain ideas. Uh, see, the idea is a very deadly thing. And so one of the things that the wealthy want to do is to make sure progressive ideas, uh, don't have any traction or no legitimacy. Uh, case in point is the critical race theory. Now critical race theory is very, very simple. Uh, all you're saying is that, uh, you know, you're looking at in terms of, you know, how the institution work in the context of society. Uh, the, the outcomes of how those institutions operate, the impact on the people, uh, specifically when you talk about in terms of the of resources through society, and all you're talking about is history, and that's all you're talking about. So these things are documents. So you go back and you demonstrate, you know, from a, from a historical point of view in terms of documentation, that these things have existed for a while, and the question inevitably becomes, why do things operate this way? Well, people in positions of power using the wealth understand that that is a very deadly thing to even discuss. And so, earlier, Brother, after we talked about eliminating African history, which is, of course, they're doing that too. But certainly, one of the things they want to do is, to criti- uh, is, is eliminate, critically analyze the system to look at the system in terms of how it operates. Uh, the, the critical race theory is not an indictment of anybody based upon their skin color. It's a, it's a, it's a historical understanding in terms of how institutions operate in society, and no different than the um, the um, you know, the German school of philosophy is no different in terms of their understanding in terms of how institutions influence society. But clearly, people are using their wealth in terms of of, of, of of undermining critical race theory. And everywhere you look, all you see is attack critical race theory, critical race theory, critical race theory. It's repacked. attacked repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. You know, by all all manners of media. And the question is, why they do that? Why well, they do it? Because they because they have the wealth to do it and they understand their vested interest in terms of protecting the wealth lies in keeping people confused about the reality. And also, lastly, Brother Africa, also when we talk about wealth being weaponized, one of the things we, talk, we have to understand is that when we talk about in terms of how the world financial system operates, in terms of limited investments for, for so-called dirt for the global south, uh, there, is, there is no accident that when you talk about the World Bank or International Monetary Fund in terms of how they function, their function is very, very clear. Their function is to prevent the emergence of these these global South economies from actually competing. That is, their, that, is that is what they do, and so the way in which they do it is they, they stipulate terms and they stipulate terms in which you receive the money. They even tell you what you can use the money for, and in, in the, to the top it off, a lot of this money doesn't actually take the form of money. It actually credits it remains on the on the computers of the United States. So the money so the money quote unquote never even leaves the United States. That's to make sure that the people who are supposed to be the beneficiaries of that money do what they're told to do. So anything that's going to really enhance their economy, anything that's going to improve the economy, the quality of life of their people, anything that's going to make them more competitive, the IMF and World Bank role is to prevent that. So that's how you use wealth to weaponize. This is how you use wealth to weaponize uh, weaponize a, a situation. Uh, so clearly, Brother Africa, um, you know, um, you know, just, just to close, uh, I think that, you know, when, when we talk about, you know, using wealth to weaponize, you know, uh, 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 the way things are, uh, we have to understand, as Brother Anthony alluded to, one of the things we, we have to do, we understand that the nature of the struggle is protracted, and it's going to be a long, hard struggle. But first and foremost, we have to understand fundamentally how the system operates. If we don't understand how the system operates, then we talk about how wealth is being weaponized. We don't understand that they're using this form of class war that's being utilized against us. We don't also understand that it's being utilized against us. So we have to fundamentally understand in terms of, you know, how this wealth is being weaponized and understanding why people in wealth weapon, uh, use the wealth to, for, for purposes of attacking those who don't have wealth. Uh, so clearly, Brother Africa, we have a work cut out for us. And as always, you know, I definitely would encourage people, you know, to... To read more in terms of economics, because economics is the key in terms of understanding the the, uh, the insidious nature of what we call capitalism.
3: Hello, hello to our listening audience. you listen to Africa on the Moon. Our <clears> theme <throat> tonight is part one of a two-part series. What are we doing? Damn. I mean, we talk about today some of the behaviors and impact of philanthropy, as an example, we use Bill Gates but there are many, many others. We hope that we can raise your level of consciousness to understand that many times, those who claim to be doing things for you are, in reality, doing things against you. So we're going to pause for this because We're going to a cultural break, and when we come back, we're going to have our political analysts and panelists to give our final thoughts on this first part of the two-part series What are we doing? Damn. This is Africa on the move.
0: Come a minute.
2: Never changes Hung by a noose Can't tell the truth Filled with abuse And everywhere there's danger How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know I must be strong stop going through these changes We must prepare and learn how to care for soon we'll be there While our lives won't be in danger And when the light is clear Oh, how beautiful I will be To know that I've been here and made it through my journey yeah and made it through my journey yeah 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 made it through my journey made it through my
0: journey hello reno
2: a bloodline across the waters But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death has spent many lonely nights, pacing the floors of his funeral hollow, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods,
0: yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. My journey We'd like to walk you back to Africa and move on the 5th day of December. 2021, and theme is what we are doing. Damn, this is the first part of a two-part series. We will continue the discussion next week, same time, same station, so make sure you're down there in the 7 p.m. Eastern time, U.S. So what we're going to do right now, I'd like to make a couple announcements and follow the announcements. Our political panelists and analysts will give us their closing remarks for tonight. Right now, I want to remind you that if you haven't purchased your book, please do so and give your support to Pan-African Roots, the publishing volume one and two of the new book, We Demand the Full Disclosure and Dignization of All Slavery earl records. Again, the title is We Demand the Full Disclosure and Dignization of all slavery uh, records, you can find out more about how you can get this book and about this book by going to the website wwwa a dash dash g c dot Let me give it to you again. Please use this website. Support this book by Pen African Roots Opera Bob Brown by going to wwwa a g c uh, Sugga second announcement is willing to invite to come and join us. with well, other organizations under the banner of the African Awareness Association, uh, we want to encourage you to come and see for yourself. we Cuba be uh, Cuba. The African Awareness Association will take its annual Black History, Education, and Cultural Travel Challenge to Cuba. They'll be visiting two areas. Two areas are San Diego to Cuba and Havana. The dates for this particular tour is July 23rd to July 31st, leaving from Cancun, Mexico. If you're interested and you want to go, we tell you, you should. It's a trip of your lifetime. Come and join us. And you can do that by going to the website, www.aaa-cuba, C O U R S dot com, or just email the African Awareness Association by emailing African Awareness Association too at gmail.com. Come and join us. Come and see Cuba for yourself and learn more about their beautiful revolution and how they uh, are connected to our struggle from home Africa and throughout the Pan-African world. So those are our announcements. And like always, on this radio station, we would like to hear from you. We would like to hear your comments, your views. And if you would like to be a participant, you can email us at africanormove2 at gmail.com. That's right. We need to hear from you. Um, that is, you can email us at Africa on the moon 2 at gmail.com. Those are our announcements for tonight. Right now, we're going to turn it back over to our political panelists and analysts, and we're going to ask each one of them to give us their final thoughts for tonight. We'll start out with Brother Moses. Brother Moses, your final thoughts for tonight.
6: Yeah, well, yesterday there was a, a rally of white supremacists at the Lincoln Memorial. There was hundreds of them, and uh, they're still um, paranoid about about their interests not being looked out after. And uh, white supremacy is, is nat- white nationalism is a, is a is a source of apartheid in the USA. Uh, it begins with with, with white white people identifying with each other and uh, and uh, alienating the people of color and uh, thinking that their interest is different from the rest of humanity and so we have to fight white supremacy and apartheid um, I think, you know, it's been a wonderful show uh, and I hope, I hope, you know, that scientific socialism is clear to people that, you know, it's not about taxing um, in terms of scientific socialism, but it's about appropriating the resources and using them in the interest of the working class. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Brother Moses. Moses, Father and Brother Moses, we're bringing Sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, your final thoughts for tonight.
1: Well, thank you for, uh, it was a beautiful show and, uh, Uh, Thank you so much. I think that what uh, was revealed this evening about uh, the super rich is that they use their monies and their foundations to clearly uh, uh, increase their own power, image, and influence in the world, and it is harmful to everyone, and I continue to stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people suffering under Israeli apartheid. I would urge the U.S. government to uh, lift its embargo, its blockade against the Cuban people and also for uh, Moderna to release its uh, proprietary information to allow anyone able to produce the vaccine globally to do so. Africa is under-vaccinated. Only 10% of the continent is vaccinated. And uh, it's interesting how it mutated in South Africa where HIV is out of control. And as I said earlier, Brother Africa, Pfizer and Merck are coming up with two pills that can be taken. Uh, Pfizer, a five-day dose, and Merck, a 30-day dose. And what Merck has done is taken the uh, information from producing HIV drugs that have allowed people to live uh, uh, with the HIV virus uh, relatively normal life. They're using that scientific uh, information to produce this corona uh, pill that you would take after being diagnosed with the coronavirus. So um, I stand in solidarity with all oppressed people of the world. I am glad to see that there was an election in Honduras. Uh, I believe it was last week. And we continue to see progress globally. globally and uh, as Brother Hakee and Brother Anthony mentioned, we need uh, to stop these billionaires and trillionaires or billionaires and millionaires from influencing the political landslate, landscape by major campaign reform laws. The other thing I'd like to share with you quickly, Brother Africa, is today, um, I I frequently go by a book stand, a vendor, at 2014th Street, and he's in possession of several of the artifacts from Kwame Toure's storage unit that was uh, not bid on him. Everything was trashed several decades ago, so he has checked books and, and different things, and they minor things, but they did belong to Kwame Ture and he's there every Sunday um in the afternoon at two thousand fourteenth Street Northwest and I thought that was interesting. I'm not able to authenticate whether or not these things actually are real. But it's interesting that he has them and he's an African brother, him and his uh partner and they uh sell wonderful books. Um, wonderful books they just it's, it's, it's phenomenal some of the things they have there for sale and it's interesting to stop by and take a look and as Brother Haki said housing I continue to say that housing education access to food uh, climate reasonable climate conditions these are basic human rights But if we don't get the soup under control, we're not going to be able to have these rights. Uh, We cannot expect them to give them to us. We have to do it through organizing, through forming unions, and as all the analysts say each week, by organizing a new and different political party, And I know that would take a tremendous effort and millions of people, but it can be done and it will be done, I am sure, for the Africans. So thank you so much for allowing me to participate in this forum and have a wonderful week and a very happy holiday season and happy Kwanzaa to everyone.
3: Thank you, Sister Al-Noah, for your contribution to today's program, and we now move to Brother Hackey. Brother Hackey, final you thoughts for tonight. Yeah,
4: Brother Africa, let me let me hop back here just a little bit uh, to the Amma Avery case. Another very interesting uh, uh, statement that was disclosed uh, during that trial. Uh, Defense attorney uh, Laura Hogg, She made a closing argument in which she said, "Quote." Alma Avery in his khaki shorts with no socks to cover his long dirty toenails, end quote. Now what now essentially uh, uh the medical examiner, you know, after Aubrey Alma Aubrey was killed, of course they typically they examined them and one of the things that the medical examiner con- conveyed to the defense lawyer was that he had long dirty toenails. And now she used it in her final final closing summation. And, of course, the question becomes, what, what, is, what is the relevance in terms of t- talking about his toenails? Uh, clearly, there, there are implications, several implications, but I think one of them is that, you know, um, one of the things that she wanted to purvey was that somehow that Ahma Avery was poverty-stricken. In fact, that wasn't the case. But unless she wanted to create the perception in the mind of the jurors that in fact, he's from an impoverished background, and so therefore they are capable of doing almost anything, particularly when it comes to stealing, and uh, vandalism so uh clearly you know the uh, the motivations behind her sense a thing had racist implications also possibly it hops back to a trope that was used back to characterize and ens- uh, enslave ancestors uh who many of which didn't have access to shoes and so what happens is typically you know when you, when you talk about you know you know, you know toilet the fields without shoes on then you're going to get dirt in your toenails Posts are looking at the um the uh, the, in, the inequities in terms of uh, capitalism. What they did was they instead scapegoat enslaved African brothers and sisters and say there's somehow something fundamentally wrong with them because because to- dirt got in their toenails. So clearly this trope this trope was designed for the purpose of influencing the jury and it's unfortunate. Uh, you know, the um, mere fact that she thought that she could re- uh, she could articulate a racist trope. And that the jury would, 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 would gravitate toward it. Uh speaking violence in terms of the kind of implicit racism in the mind of this particular particular this particular, particular lawyer and also uh, the court generally in terms of allow such a statement to stand, given the fact that it has no real relevance in terms of the close in terms of the closing argument. And yeah. now the question I think for the African Union is much broader question, that is, you know, now if educated people uh, when you think about politicians and you think about attorneys, you think about p- people who are head corporate CEOs. If these people harbor these racist views, so what does that mean for the future of African people in America? I think one of the things that's a to among many of us—we simply don't want to deal with this stuff. We want to believe that everything is fine and we just pretend, you know, that everything is going to be okay. But you can't overlook these kind of the kind of statements that are being coming from very powerful people and the implications of such statements. And clearly these statements don't have the interest, clearly these statements don't have the interest of African people at heart. If they don't have the interest of African people at heart and they're very, very powerful people, then is it possible that these people could bring to to fruition uh, their desire to see uh, a civil war in which a large number of African people are actually eliminated or killed in the society? The the answer, of course, is yes. And this is the fundamental problem that we're confronted with. And no matter how much we want to believe you know that um, uh, America is uh, is, a, is a great country. That America uh, is fair, or America is uh, 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 dealing with its racial issues. No matter how much you want to be- deal with that, believe that stuff. The reality is that when even educated people say things that are, are brazenly racist, and they say those things without shame, then clearly, you know, it doesn't bode well for the interests of African people in America in the future. So clearly, we got our work to be cut out. We got our work to be uh, work to be uh, cut off for us to be, for us to do. Uh, Clearly, but in closing brother Africa, as always, you know, I I encourage people to unravel the matrix. You know, one of the things that, you know, when we talk about these kind of equities that that permeate the society, often these things are expressed in a way in which they take the form of dog whistles. Often it's very, very subtle. But it is incumbent upon us to understand when we listen to these politicians, when we listen to these powerful people speak, then implicit, a lot of these these dog whistles that are being uh, articulated. Uh, and understand the implication of half of us in terms of our longevity here in here in America. Clearly, we got our word cut off for us, and there was no getting around that. But having said that, Brother Africa, you have a good night.
3: And you say, Brother Haki, and thank you, too, for your contribution to today's program. And we now will ask Brother Anthony to close us out tonight with his final thoughts. Brother Anthony.
5: Final thought for tonight. Is that uh we must uh politically educate ourselves and get better organized than we are right now that is the only way we can uh, put an end uh to our uh to our oppression by imperialism, capitalism, and a lot of forms of exploitation. We must teach our youth our history that is critically important so that they can uh so that they can withstand whatever political attacks come their way uh during the course of their schooling and uh let's see and uh you can find out uh people can find out more about our objective by visiting our website www dot a dash a prp dash gc dot org where you can learn more about uh pan Africanism is history the history of our party and also make a purchase of uh Bob's uh Bob Brown's latest book uh we demand uh full disclosure of uh and digitization of uh uh slavery records from the sla- uh uh of records from the slavery era. Sorry about that.
0: <laughs>
5: and uh I thank you for having me uh on the program tonight and it was an honor to uh participate uh with uh you and the uh, fellow panelists tonight.
3: Thank you, Brother Anthony. And as always, the honor to have you as a participant, you and all of our participants as political analysts and journalists and panelists and conscious Africans who love their people. Tonight, we'd like to thank you also, the listening audience, for allowing us to tune in and coming to your homes this evening where we can speak or where we are spoken truth to the powerless and the powerful. We'd like to remind you that you can listen to Africa on the Move every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S. We also want to remind you that you must remember that without information, you cannot think. And what organization cannot think clearly? We want you to join an organization that is fighting for the liberation of your people and advancement of all humanity. With organization, you will get unity. What organization, you will get power. What organization, you will get tools that will allow you to be used as a means to help liberate you and your people and push humanity forward. With tools, you will be able to think clearly. So with organization, it is the foundation for everything. So Africans, let's get organized. People of goodwill, let's get organized. I salute the victories to our brothers and sisters for their recent election in Venezuela, Honduras, uh, Nicaragua. And, of course, our brothers and sisters will continue to make victories every day in Cuba. And our brothers and sisters are struggling in Our brothers and sisters are fighting for their, their freedom in these blockades and embargoes, whether in Venezuela, Cuba, Zimbabwe, um, Korea. We would like to thank you for being the shining example of what it means to be organized and fight for your total liberation. So until next time, join Africa on the Moon next week. And we'll leave you with some music, inspiration, and encouragement. This has been Africa on the Moon. I'll be your host, Brother Africa. We'll see you next week.
0: War is not the answer for only love can me You know, know we've got to find a way to bring some luggage here today Oh, oh, oh.
9: pick it black and pick it
0: Don't punish me with brutality Everybody thinks we're wrong. Oh, but who are they judge us? Simply 'cause our hair is. will talk to me. So you can see what's going on. Yeah, what's going on? Tell me what's going on.
7: I'll tell you what's going on. Ooh. Right, right on. Right. On.
0: All right.
10: His real name, Loki. Loki is not his real name. Surprisingly enough.
0: I'm all about peace and
10: love. An important line there. I'm all about peace and love. Yeah. Okay. They're calling him a terrorist. Terror. Okay. One nation in the world has over a thousand military bases. Can you guess who? It's. Um, oh, let me give you a hint. Cutter. It is not Luxembourg. It's not just Muslims that. Have, that oppose your imperialism he's going to tell you who it is Lumumba was democracy, democracy. democracy. Mosaddegh Allende <laughs>
0: there
10: you go okay so so this is the rapper all right that's his mm-hmm. music bust a beat for me all right sure
0: I don't, I don't.
7: was oh, racist, Glenn Beck is a racist, God the strip was getting bomb, Obama didn't
4: say shit. After you divorce yourself from the right wing, propaganda campaign, it's all simple and plain, America can stand the game, your president got an African
7: name, now who you gon' blame? They dropped them bombs out of them planes Using depleted uranium Babies looking like two-headed aliens Follow the money trail the leads to the criminal Ain't nothing subliminal to it That's how they do it See the game they run Give a fuck of who's cunning Articulate
4: and handsome Afghanistan held for ransom By the hand of this black man Neo-colonial puppet White power with a black face He said, fuck it, I'll do it A master of skies, Expert at telling lies Then they gave him a Nobel Peace
7: Prize Should've known he was trained in Chicago Worker the chairman Fred and Mark Clark What they do in the dark will come out in the light like a WikiLeaks site so I guess the crew was right who's ready to fight last stage of imperialism I ain't kidding in the immortal words of Marvin Gate this ain't living. Was getting by Obama didn't Say, shoot. O-B-A-M-A. You ain't fooling everyone. I see the games you play. You with me, at the B-I-C, And we know that's the code name for CIA. Hey, hey, the same way your cameras are watching us, we're watching you. Think we're easy to a clue, revolution's
9: on the way, let's see what you're gonna do You're gonna send the troops, you're gonna drop the news. See it's not where you're
7: from, it's where you're right He's sitting in the white house, doesn't so care if he's black And why is their soldiers still out there in Iraq Natural resources ain't yours, it's theirs, give it back You're just another puppet, but I'm not surprised Look at Colin Powell and Condoleezza Rice They didn't change shit, house niggas fresh off the slave ship You all burn in hell, even Michelle, abomination nation. With what's the bigger threat from a summer? from Obama, military bases from Chagos to Okinawa, I say things that other rappers won't say, cause my mind never closed like Guantanamo Bay, hope you didn't feel the statue or tattoo your arm, cause the drones are still flying over sun did he defend the war? No, he extended more, even had the time to attempt to crew in Ecuador, Morales and Chavez, the states are on the humpier, military now stationed on bases in Colombia, take a trip to the past and tell him I was right, ask Ali Abu Neymar and Jeremiah Wright, drones over Pakistan, Yemen and Libya, is Obama the bomber getting ready for Syria? First black president, the masses were hungry, but the same president just bombed an African country like...
0: Strip was getting by Obama didn't say shoot
7: Mom, cause work, come to calm Mom, cause y'all work, come to calm
0: Can't get no food to eat
7: can get no money to spend. Oh,
0: can't get no food to eat. Today. Can't get.
7: I need to try